how are we uh, to measure our strengths and weaknesses as a church? We don't have to think about this too much. We don't have to look too far because this is the focus of chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation. In seven short but revealing letters, Christ reviews local churches and gives his assessment. These seven letters were written to seven churches in what is now modern-day Turkey. They seem to be addressed in geographical order, perhaps following the route which a letter carrier would have taken. There are seven churches addressed, which signifies completeness. These churches, with their strengths and weaknesses, are representative of churches down the years of this age. And so it is that our own church is included in this assessment. I'm not planning a a mad dash through every detail of the letters to these seven churches in, in one message. Nor do I think it is the time for starting a long series on the subject. Instead, let us look at some of the main points and lessons to learn. These letters are each addressed to the angel of the church in each of the places. That word angel means messenger. They were written to the the eldership of each church. The eldership of the church are the messengers of Christ. They are to be the ones who take the word of God, teaching it, explaining it, applying it. They take God's word, teach it to God's people. It is a picture, really, of the whole work of ministry. The eldership, the teachers in a church have nothing to say if they have no scripture. And what they do say must be based on scripture. The word of God is our authority and standard in the church. And so, those who hear are to receive the word as it is written, and are to take that responsibility to believe, to obey, to live out the truth taught. Looking across these seven letters, my first point is that Christ values faithfulness. If you look there at the words of the church to the church at Ephesus, 
We read, I know thy works, thy labor, and thy patience. At Thyatira, we read, love, serveth, service, and faith. And it goes on to talk of their humility. Even at Sardis, where there was deadness, the few who had not defiled their garments are highlighted. Christ saw the remnant that was faithful. Following Jesus means to be faithful. This is about every area of life, every day of life. Each member of the church, each member of the congregation, with the eldership leading, using their gifts and times together for the Lord. This makes for a faithful church. There are two churches on this list which receive no complaint. They are churches which have been faithful in the face of tribulation. In every generation somewhere in the world, the Church of Christ has been harshly treated. And that is, is so today, very much so today. We think of countries like China, Iran, North Korea. There are others also where it's dangerous, risky, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Smyrna, chapter 2, verse 8, is one of these churches. Christ says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. It seems there was a, a progression there. Their faithfulness led to tribulation, which led to Poverty. They had lost property and possessions due to persecution. This is the very opposite of the, the health and wealth, wealth, prosperity gospel. When the word of God is proclaimed, both law and gospel, and lived out in the midst of a wicked world, there are some who react with anger. Some, perhaps even, with violence. We know indeed that from the time of Abel, those who are faithful often suffer terribly. Think of Joseph who was sold as a slave. Think of the, the three who were cast into the burning fiery furnace. Daniel cast into the lion's den. Jeremiah in the pit. John the Baptist imprisoned and then beheaded. Stephen, who was stoned. Paul was beaten and imprisoned. John, in exile on Patmos. We don't know the details at Smyrna, but they were suffering for Christ. As Paul said of his imprisonment in Philippians chapter 1 verse 13, My bonds in Christ our Saviour identifies with those who suffer for him. Matthew 
chapter 25, verse 37, we read, Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, then gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Ye have done it unto me. Christ identifies with those who suffer for his name's sake. When Christians are persecuted for their faith, it is Christ that is being persecuted. Jesus said, Matthew 5 verse 10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Christ values faithfulness in confronting error. This seems a very negative point and is not a popular idea today. The Ephesians had no toleration for evil, and they had great discernment when it came to preachers and teachers. Verse 2, chapter 2. Thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. Strong words. And then we read that they that they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Verse 15, Christ says, Which thing I also hate. And we hear much of love, but Christ hates that which is poison to a church, but is stumbling block to one of his little ones. There is a need for balance in these matters. But sadly in many places, error seems very popular and confronting it very controversial. They are commended at Ephesus for their discernment. What is your discernment like? Remember, it is Christ who is looking at you. Even when there were only a few who have remained faithful amidst apostasy, they are seen of Christ. That was the position at Sardis, chapter 3, verse 1, where the church is said to have a name, but be dead. However, Christ saw that there were some, verse 4, a few, a few names which have not defiled their garments. A few who had remained faithful. They have, they may have seemed lost in a crowd of deadness, but Christ saw them. Often it is the case that there are one or two in the deadest churches who are faithful to Christ. That may surprise us, but they receive great encouragement from our Lord. Verse 4, They shall walk with me in white, for they 
are worthy. So, Christ values faithfulness. Secondly, Christ's criticism is essential and valuable. The church, must be remembered, is not a social club. It's not a voluntary association in that sense, formed just for mutual help and benefit. Perhaps to help us escape from the the stresses or or routine of daily life. Nor is it just a a theology-debating society. We are here on active duty, serving the King of Kings. We are his witnesses. We are to be lights in a dark world. The Lord Jesus Christ does not review us just to give commendation and encouragement. It is also to warn us about what is wrong. He has defined the standards of truth and error, right and wrong. We are to examine ourselves, to examine ourselves in the light of Scripture. The Christian faith is built upon the testimony of Scripture. It's built upon facts, things that happen, and words that have meaning. Such points as creation, the fall of man, promise of one who would come to deliver. The meaning of the incarnation. Christ's death and resurrection. These are facts that do not change. Are not open to the the whims of interpretation down the years. We have God's breathed out word. That is the standard of right and wrong. And it is the duty of the church to stand on scripture. The apostles doctrine is to be our study and our guide. Christ criticized Christ warned of error. You see, it can be very tempting to be nice and welcoming to everyone. In measure we should be, but never are we to tolerate false teachers. Never. Not to give them a moment. Pergamon is an example of a church where there had been martyrdom for the faith, but where there was also a tolerance for teachers of false doctrine. Thyatira was a church where their love, service and faith was valued, but they extended it to Jezebel, someone acting in a similar fashion to that evil woman. One lady the people into compromise and false worship. This is dangerous and must be stamped out. 
We are to try the spirits. We are to examine the scriptures to see if it is so. At Ephesus, we see that the warning, the criticism that they received was because their love had lost its fervent heat. At Sardis, they had a name, but were dead. Although a few had not defiled themselves, whilst at Laodicea, they had lost their heat. They were, they were neither hot nor cold. And so were at the ambient temperature of the world around about them. I will spew you out, was the warning. These words are very strong. We do not usually think of Christ speaking like that to people. But when you are dealing with poison or cancer, there cannot be any half measures. Drastic action is called for. The warning must be given. And it behoves us to heed what Christ says. To take heed and beware of false prophets. But these warnings were actually a gracious call and opportunity to repent. Even Jezebel, verse 21 of chapter 2, had been given time to repent. At Laodicea, there was nothing to commend, and not even a small remnant remaining. But they were told, verse 19 of chapter 3, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous and repent. This is where we read the very famous and often quoted words. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. How gracious our Saviour is. He comes with words of warning. Warnings that are an opportunity, which are a call to repent, do the first works. May we heed the call of the Saviour as we honestly examine ourselves and our church. Thirdly, Christ calls on you personally to hear. Notice the words of Christ towards the end of each of these seven letters. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Whilst the letters are addressed to churches, you as an individual are called upon to use your ears and listen. Take what the Lord Jesus Christ says very personally. Examine yourself. What would Christ find commendable in you? What would he warn you about? Those piercing eyes see you. He knows your heart and motives. What is your love for Christ like? Can you with Peter say, Yea, Lord, 
thou knowest that I love thee. Is he more than life to you? Are you living out your life with faith and patience and labor for his name's sake? Are you conscious, perhaps, that all is not as it should be? Do you examine everything in the light of Scripture? Or are you in danger of being carried about by every wind of doctrine, every exciting and vibrant teacher, preacher, tally evangelist, the satellite television channels, the internet, have brought a real mixture to our homes. Can you tell the difference between the false and the biblical? Or are you in danger of defiling your garments? It is a blessing to have an awareness of your frailties and your faults. It is a prompting to you to come to the cross and see that the Saviour died to save his people from their sins. As John puts it in chapter 1 verse 5 of Revelation, He loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Come to the tomb and see it is empty, for he has risen, he is alive forevermore. Come, hear the words, the gracious words of Christ. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. These words of warning are words of grace to call you back to the Good Shepherd, to turn you to his word, where your faith and love will be renewed. It is as the light of his word is illuminating the way before us that we can walk this path of darkness. Let us heed the words of Christ. Verse 19 of chapter 3. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, and open the door, I will come in to him, and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am sat down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Our final hymn is number 554. What a friend! We have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. 554. What a friend 
Thank you. 